The invisible hand of the Fed. Sounds almost sinister, doesn't it? But what does it mean for limited partners committed to private debt? In this issue of Spotlight, I speak with Eric Lloyd, Global Head of Private Assets at Bearings, and his colleague Jonathan Bock, the firm's Chief Financial Officer and a Managing Director in the Global Private Finance Group. We hear first from Bock on how Fed action has created certain dynamics that investors need to be alive to. One of the items that I'd imagine LPs would be looking for is, you know, you've heard about the strong momentum as well as the strong performance generally for good investors uh, in the asset class, but what's next? And when we think about what's next, we think in terms of repayments. So clearly the invisible hand of the Fed, right, and record stimulus has created a yield dynamic that will pressure yields downward and spreads materially. And so if you think about a couple items that are driving that, whether it's retail loan fund inflows, right? And we can think of, you know, five years ago, right? You know, clearly now we've seen eight weeks of positive inflows, a complete reversal over an entire two years. Or more importantly, the amount of distressed capital that was raised uh, last year, now all looking for homes which effectively are bidding up triple C style or uh, what would perceive to be higher risk assets. Not to mention the cost of liabilities as it relates to CLOs, right, where we've seen significant amount of liability compression. That signals that there is a level of repayment that's on the come, which is an item that some LPs uh, are prepared for, others may not be, and allows folks to start asking the questions that really should, uh, that should inert, which is what happens when these uh, quality loans that you've placed on the books repay? That's one trend. For Eric Lloyd, the key thing for LPs is making sure that managers stay true to their mandates. Yeah, you know, I think, John, you hit it. When those repayments occur, the technical part of the market shifts to the other side. And therefore, I'd say what LP should really focus on is discipline, force discipline on their managers. You know, make sure the, the manager's doing what they said they're going to do. Discipline's always important in all investing, but in those times where the supply-demand imbalance moves to the benefit of, you know, the, the investor is, is more impacted to the negative, quote-unquote, make sure you maintain your discipline is, is really critical. Other thing I'd say is kind of style creep. When you see these, these dynamics occur on a more macro basis, sometimes you see style creep in the manager. And I think that's a really challenging place for investors. I mean, ultimately, our job as stewards of capital is to do for investors what we told them we were going to do, which means we're not doing something else because otherwise it's not what fits within their portfolio and what they expected. Without naming names, which we wouldn't ask you to do, are you seeing any signs of that already, that kind of mission creep? As you went into this past situation with the pandemic, I think you saw larger platforms with more diversified stable capital bases and with dry powder really differentiate themselves to the positive as we looked at kind of volumes in the end of the third quarter and the fourth quarter going into this uh, and into the first quarter. And so I think the challenge is the, the more niche or specialized platforms that maybe the asset class has moved away from them or that industry or, or the like, I think that puts them in a more challenging position. One of the things we hear a lot about is the refinancing wave. In the initial aftermath of the pandemic breaking out, the deal market was largely put on hold, but has since staged something of a recovery. Looking forward, it's the refinancing wave that is viewed as the potential catalyst for a lot of activity. But what's it going to look like and who will it impact? So it starts really with large issuers, right? And then we creep down from here, right? Then also, of course, you have second liens to the extent that you had a predominantly junior capital book, particularly with companies of size. 
those also refinance very quickly. Then one level below that, you have a high level of, we'll call it high yielding unitronch, right? To the extent that a unitronch was done at attractive rate for the lender, that actually ends up translating into a, a high probability of refinance. And when you think about it, we're actually coming out from a rating agency's perspective, coming out of a trough, right? Someone folks would understand that the sun is going to shine later. And so as a result, some of the reservations that were put on the rating agencies early on to give a single B style credit ratings to uh, underlying uh, portfolio companies, right? Previously, pre-COVID, it was a little bit more restrictive. Today, you're starting to find that there are a number of middle market companies that can access the rating agencies and receive favorable credit rating treatment, which allows them to go to the liquid marketplace. When you add all that together, that's the spectrum starting from the large, then dipping down. Then you have a few ancillary effects where you've got the lower, you know, high quality issuers, right? Clearly those are going to be fetching bids, so stable businesses that have done very well throughout COVID. And then not to mention, this is the one item that comes in its stance to, to Eric's point of just being a manager that had available capital. If what you were was a lender that provided club style financing, one of many, the more lenders you have in an individual club and the, 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 the less incumbency value you have as kind of the sole lender lead agent, the higher probability one of those other lenders takes the deal. And so a lot of that is what's going to drive kind of where we see repayments. And you can kind of think through your frame on, on kind of who checks what box, but that's how we start to see the repayment wave. Thanks for that, John. Really interesting. A anything to add on that point, Eric? One thing I'd say is a wide frame of reference, a wide origination funnel, when you do have those repayments, is even more important that you, uh, you create you know, the most opportunities. And John's point on incumbency is exactly right. If you have an existing strong portfolio and that company either refinances or simply even trades from an M&A perspective, you're just in a materially different position than you are if you're the person on the outside coming in. Circling back to the present day, how do you feel private debt has emerged from the crisis? In a way, it seems to me this was the crisis private debt LPs really wanted to put the asset class to the test. In your view, how's it doing? Is it passing the test? I'd start by saying I think so far it's passed the test. I think the asset class has performed consistent with what investors believed and, and we believed going into it. Now, we're not at the end of it. And so I think, you know, time will tell exactly where it ends up from an asset performance perspective. But I'd say so far we're on the right trajectory for that. You know, importantly, I think each portfolio or each composition of, of assets are also performing differently, which is what you'd expect, right? As certain industries are more impacted in this period of time versus others, both to the positive, it's like a logistics business, and to the negative, obviously restaurants, retail and the like. That really portfolio composition or comparison of portfolios is really what will be, I think, the real test on the back end. I think we'll see differentiation in, in portfolio performance, even though the asset overall, asset class overall, I think is, you know, kind of proven itself during this challenging time. When you talk about that differentiation, is, is there anything, without necessarily being too specific, but anything that's kind of surprising you in terms of strategies doing better or worse or, or particular types of businesses or sectors? I'd say that the thing I've been most impressed with is management teams' abilities to innovate and change their businesses based off of the situation we've been in, whether it be going more online, adding a complementary part of a business. And in some cases, what was a small part of their business, right? It was 20 or 30%. And you really were underwriting initially the, the 70 or 80% of the other part maybe is reversed. So I think that's been the, the first thing. 
I think that's, that's been really interesting. And I'm, it's been great to see great management teams during this process. I'd say the other thing I wouldn't say is necessarily surprising, but I think and during these challenging times, you see long-term planning really pay off. People who, you said from a fund perspective, people who have strong liability structures that can withhold the volatility you might have seen. People who had strong, like I said, portfolio composition and good diversification versus a real concentrated portfolio by asset or by industry, I think are probably the two things that I've, I've noticed there. And you know, managing that liability structure, I've said on various conversations over the years, is one of those things I think investors don't focus as much time on as maybe they should, because if you get the liability side wrong, you can really impact the returns in a material way. Anything to add there, John? No, I think Eric really you know, cut right to it because when you start to see that in a dynamic time, if you have a dynamic management team or had a flexible capital structure to finance dynamic management teams, right, the dual combination, it really can be a, a good recipe to drive forward return with those loans sitting on the balance sheet protected with a best-in-class liability structure. That's all for today. If you want to hear more episodes of Spotlight, you can check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, and PEI's various titles online. For Private Debt Investor, I'm Andy Thompson. Thanks for listening.